Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging podcast. On our show today, I have somebody that I've been waiting for a while to get on. He's very busy and actually has his own podcast. Well, actually, he has his own broadcasting studio. We'll talk a lot about that. Um, And so I'm really excited to have Stephen Hurley today. I found out about Stephen or heard of Stephen first several years ago when I first started getting involved in social media. I don't remember exactly how I heard about it, but I remember hearing about Voice Ed Canada. And um, actually before that, uh, Derek Rodenizer, and I believe I must have heard Stephen on some of those broadcasts, but Stephen, I'm so excited to have you here and to talk about Voice Ed and other things. Welcome. Well, thanks, Eileen. It's great to connect with you today. This is a, a, a great time of the year to be just kicking back and having good conversations. Yes, wonderful. And so I didn't really tell people about much about you, your background. Um, so please uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, I won't take long, but I, I will. Let's start with the today and the, the, the current Stephen Hurley. Uh, I am thrilled to be spending most of my time on uh, the Voice Ed Radio project, which is expanding. And that is uh, a project that is uh, geared towards and really committed to uh, raising the voices, but deepening and broadening the conversations that we have about education uh, in Canada and as it turns out beyond. So we started exactly four years ago uh, and uh, we have been going strong ever since. I spent 30, 30 years in uh, teaching uh, in a publicly funded school district here in Ontario. And there, that's when I fell in love with the real deep conversations about education to the point where people um, on a Friday night at the pub would really have to tell me to turn off the channel or turn off, <laughs> change to a different channel because I... I just wanted to keep talking. And, and um, so those 30 years led me into some consultancy roles with the, the district. I, I, uh, I tell the story of uh, getting a little restless uh, in the spring of the year. So I used to write proposals uh, and send them off to our directors of education or our superintendent. And uh, so I spent a third of my teaching career doing jobs that didn't exist uh, before I wrote the proposal for them. Uh, things started things started to turn uh, in my mind when I wrote a proposal for a job and I didn't get the job. So oh, someone oops. else got the job. <laughs> so I stopped doing that. But anyway, um, but I've all I've had a lifelong love of uh, recording, broadcasting, radio, audio. I just love not the sound of my own voice, but I love listening to people talk about what they're passionate about. So my current uh, role, and it's it's in retirement, is to do my best every day to raise the voices of people whose voices we may not normally hear, and connect them with people that they not might not normally be connected with. So that is really the dynamic of, of Voice Ed Radio. 
Yeah, and and I love it. It's one of the reasons why I I listen to your early in the morning, every afternoon here in Kuwait, which is oh, kind I, of. I, I keep yeah, forgetting that it's afternoon there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's wonderful because since it's early in the morning, I'm able to listen to it at a, a decent time, not the middle of the night, which I love. So, and well, there's so good... much that I've learned so far and so many things, especially about Canada, but about just education in general, um, about literature yeah. and everything. I, I love the broadcast. That's why I listen to it almost every day. Well, I appreciate that. I see your dot in the map. And and that was kind of a a little bit of a last minute thing as we went into September this year, looking for a way to, to really highlight uh, the content that comes into Voice Ed Radio through our network uh, every day. Uh, and to really draw a little, a, a little of maybe my personality and the personality of our guests into that in a live format. Uh, and really do what I've always loved to do, and that is live radio. I always, I dreamed of doing that ever since I was a kid. So, yeah, yeah it's amazing. There are listening. times when when I'm sitting and and I'm listening while I'm having lunch, and uh, so I'll, I'll think to myself, "Oh, I want to talk to you know, <laughs> I want to talk to Stephen." So I'll I'll send you off a little note on Twitter. Uh, That's the beautiful thing about doing this now is, is that there is a social media feed attached to it and you can connect. And uh, tonight, uh, Saturday nights, uh, Sarah Candela and I get together. She's in Los Angeles. I'm in uh, Ontario and uh, we do the, the doc, which is two hours of music. And, and we're constantly back and forth on Twitter and uh, we have some live phone calls that come in. It's, it's really exciting. Live is where it's at, I think. I'm, yeah. I don't really consider myself a podcaster. I, right. I really, That's why I stopped myself. I said, no, not pro- podcast. It's really you're a broadcaster, which is which is really amazing. I mean, you have that whole station, but also the fact that you're able to to work in the live with the recorded. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really amazing. And, and the fact that it was your dream to do something like that. And now you you get the chance to do it. So Stephen, my, my well, mom, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, my mom's really funny on that because she wouldn't let me go down to pick up the application for uh, radio college. And so now I talk to her uh, and she listens <laughs> and she says, see, you get to do what you want after all. And I said, I'm 62. <laughs> Come on, mom. <laughs> Moms are funny. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yes. But yeah, it made her feel better, I guess. It did. So Stephen, when I mentioned the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what What's the first thing that comes to mind? I think for me, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a metaphor, uh, and that is a, a thread. Threads come to mind when I think of belonging, and and threads being a metaphor for connecting, um, but also weaving together. And so, belonging to me is about uh, is about story and connected stories. And so, I, I often think of the metaphor of a thread, and that thread gets woven into a larger fabric that is bigger than than both of us and bigger than any of us and so that's what i think of yeah i i love that in fact i know when my mother talks about losing someone that we love very much she talks about that fabric kind of coming apart and in order for us to be able to um, sort of put it back together in order to be able to weave those threads that there's there's the whole so yeah, so that that totally makes sense. Uh, I never I've never really thought of what she said in terms of belonging, but you're you're totally right. Um, Stephen, I want to get into a little bit about voice ed. Um, you had uh, 
well, before voice ed, sorry, if you had several different roles in education before you started and you, you mentioned that you had um, been in education for 30 years before you, you, you started voice ed. So what, are, were there any highlights or things that you really enjoyed doing, things that you remember from, from your time in education? I remember too much of it. Okay. <laughs> I think I, I, I have, um, and I remember the, the great stuff that happened. And I also remember the stuff that I would rather uh, not remember, the, the cringeworthy stuff. Um, yeah. the, and so I remember, and, and like other people, it, a lot of it had to do with that sense of belonging, those connections. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one of the highlights, and, and I have to go back to my, uh, my son, who is uh, 11, Liam is 11. And yesterday he, we were making pizza for dinner and I was, I was kneading the dough and he said, you know, daddy, I'm, I'm kind of sad today. And I said, why? He said, because the holiday is almost over. And I knew exactly what he meant. It's, it's that feeling of melancholy that, um, so my very first year of teaching, I had the advantage of working for, for three or four years with a wonderful principal, strict principal, mm -hmm. high expectations. But he, uh, he took grade eight students away uh, on this first week back after uh, Christmas holidays for a week long retreat up in northern, just north of where we are, there's some, some uh, rolling hills out in the country. And we had uh, half a day uh, during that week of outdoor education and the other half was kind of a spiritual retreat. Uh, I taught in a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And you know, to start a career with that, um, that sense uh, in mind where we're gonna take a low part of the year when kids come, you know, come back after the right. high point of holidays, and we're going to make it even more special. And uh, so that would definitely be a, a high point uh, for me. I, I ended my career. Uh, and, I, and I have to tell you, Eileen, I lived and I woke up most days, I'm going to say in a state of ecstasy, but I just loved uh, the teaching. And I loved going back in every day and fixing the things that didn't go well the, the day before. Um, I tell people that Friday was the, my most unfavorite day in many ways. I loved going to the pub after work and really looked forward to that. But then I had Saturday and Sunday to, to kind of mull over all of the mistakes I made. <laughs> oh, dear. A lot of mistakes. So, <laughs> so I loved Monday mornings to get back in there. Um, yeah. the, there was a, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, design and run an integrated arts program in my last three years in the classroom. Uh, and that was a real highlight because I was given kind of free reign to do what I thought uh, would count as an integrated arts program. And I had faculty of education students uh, from a fine arts program at York University come in and I, they just didn't send me one. They sent me two and three and to have uh, this energy in the class and these kids. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a chance to speak with a uh, Megan Appa on Hurley in the morning, and, and she was one of the first students in that program before. I that heard that, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was a real a real highlight. I spent a few years teaching at a faculty of education here in Toronto, and that was that was a, a highlight. I, I think for me, it was the ability to do creative things all the time. Um, I really never felt like I was in a rut, um, and yeah. to me, to spend thirty years waking up every day and saying, Hmm, I wonder that yeah. that was, that was amazing. I feel it was a real gift to me. 
Yeah, that's amazing because many times we go through sort of these highs and lows. And when we think back, we say, well, you know, that school that I was at or, or that number of years was, was really good. And then there were some, some low points or whatever where for whatever the reason. But it's really nice that when you look back on that whole career, you say to yourself, yeah, that was really good because I think you put a lot into ensuring that it was good. You know, it's the sort of attitude that you have when you wake up every morning and you look forward and, and the fact that you mentioned wonder, which is really an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that, <clears throat> excuse me, sense of wonder. One of the things that I recognize now in looking back is that the first third of my career was really all about me. It was about me and uh, me as teacher and me looking like I knew what I was doing and you know, the, the, the masks that you put on. Yeah. Um, my last uh, third of the, my career, it became more about the students and the connections. And I don't think I could have done the last third of my career without the first third. I needed to go through that. I think maybe we all need sure. to go through that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but the teacher I dream of being now is not the teacher I dreamt of in those first years. You know? Interesting. What, mm -hmm. you, you sort of skipped over the middle third. I did. <laughs> so how, did that inform or was it the first third that informed? What sort of pushed you into focusing more on the students rather than on yourself? It's it's so interesting you you ask that because I do I do remember a time when I called uh, uh, my my friend David Booth who was also a professor at, at uh, the Faculty of Education, and uh, it was in that middle third those middle years, uh, and I was teaching at a school uh, not far from here now and I was teaching grades seven and eight and I was just I was just restless I wasn't unhappy I was just restless. It was a time when we, um, the, the province was moving more into accountability and standard curriculum. Uh, there was a sense that we were moving into standard teaching as well. And, and I just felt a little restless. So I called David, he was down at the university. He says, he said to me, you need to come and do your master's. So it was at that time that I, uh, that I decided to do that. It was a couple of years after that, that I was able to, to actually go and do that while I was teaching there. Actually, I did my master's at the same time. Oh, amazing. And it was, yeah. And it was that period of time, I think that, that really uh, changed things for me, you know, going from that point of restlessness, digging into not only the research, but the academic approach to teaching, which I absolutely mm -hmm. loved and uh, doing the masters, but also teaching pre-service teachers, welcoming new ones in that really, it was a game changer for me. And I, I, I wish there was a way of building that into everyone's career because until you yeah. do it, until you do it, you don't know, you don't know what you're missing. It's really, true, literally. it's true. Yeah, because I fell into education by accident and because I didn't have the degree or the, you know, the knowledge of pedagogy, I, you know, I went back and I, I did also, you know, I got, I got certification in ESL, but then I also uh, began to read a lot of research and a lot of articles. And so I can see that happening. Your eyes sort of open up to what's current. And um, 
I wanted to ask you, Stephen, you, you mentioned the, the mentoring, really. You didn't word, mention the word mentoring, but you were mentoring the teachers the, the last couple of years. Um, and you also mentioned that, you know, you were working with pre-service teachers. And I also find that you mentor a lot on your broadcast. So is that something that you look at specifically uh, that really um, you enjoy, or is it just something that comes as a course of the fact that you're so knowledgeable? <laughs> well, I, do, I don't know how knowledgeable I am. I, I certainly read a lot and I, I find I'm reading more outside my comfort zone now. And, and some of the guests that, that we have on that morning show and on the, on the In Conversation podcast as well mm -hmm. are people that I would never have dreamed of uh, uh, talking to. I would never have dreamed that I would spend an hour with David Frum this year or uh, Bob Ray, uh, you know, uh, two politically minded people, but they've really, those conversations really, uh, I guess, uh, got me to understand that I really don't know a whole lot about the world. They do, but I don't. Uh, but I think with the mentoring, I think there's a part of my personality that likes to connect people. I'm, and I'm a pattern seeker, I've learned. And so when you bring those two things together, you just want people to talk to each other. You, you want people to, um, to engage with things on, on the level of, and the depth that you, you've been able to engage with them on. I don't, I don't wanna create clones of Stephen Hurley, but I really want people to experience uh, their, their own sense of efficacy, their own voice, but what a fascinating place this place we call school actually is. Yeah, yeah. And so that's and, where that would come from. Right, yeah. And I notice that you are highlighting different authors, which is really amazing, uh, bringing different types of voices uh, to, uh, for us all as educators and others to, to learn about, which is, which is really nice. And, and the types of conversations are very deep. It's not just a five or 10 minute uh, superficial, you know, what did you write? Why did you write it? But really getting deep into people's feelings and, and perceptions and so forth. So it's just really fascinating to me. Well, I, thank you for saying that. It's, it's, uh, there are days when I'll have five or six conversations here and I'll go upstairs at the end of the day and uh, connect with my family. And, but I, it, it, sometimes I, my conversations upstairs are so superficial. You know what's for dinner? What what can I uh, what can I get you? Uh, what do you need? Uh, how was your day? What did you learn at school today? And I'm so exhausted from those deeper conversations that maybe I don't leave enough time for or enough space for uh, my own family. Sometimes I feel that, but there there's just a wealth of um, insight. And what I find, Eileen, is that uh, what's happened in the past four years here is that I will reach out to someone for a conversation they'll come into the space that rarely does that conversation end there. We commit to do either doing a, a helping them do a podcast or have them on for other conversations. Uh, and one of the things that they, they say is that that was really nice. And that, they don't always use the word nice, but it, it's a comfortable thing. And for me, that's the, the highest compliment I could receive as a, as a conversationalist is to say, yeah, I really felt comfortable with that. Yeah, because you make it seem so, not that you make it seem so easy, but because it becomes just a conversation, it's, it's not something that is an interview. 
that's that's what I had hoped for this podcast also that it it becomes that you're sitting down and listening in on you know the people sitting at the table next to you or whatever not right. that you should be eavesdropping but that you right. are you're really part of that conversation so and you could lean over and say gee can I offer you my opinion also um, I have to I have to tell you yeah, I, um, I I spent most of my life um, adult life as a single person and I loved love love and still do going out to dinner taking a book to a restaurant not just a McDonald's but to a restaurant where people gather you know and have intimate conversations and I love to listen I mean I pretend I'm reading Wittgenstein <laughs> but I'm really listening and I used I did that when I when I first moved up to uh, out in the country uh, owned a, a one-room schoolhouse and it had been mm-hmm. renovated and I would go to the local diner on a Saturday morning. I would bring my newspaper. And I remember one day there were two guys that, that used to come in every Saturday and they would argue back and forth. They were like Waldorf and Stadler on the, uh, on the Muppet show, you know, those two. Old right. Guys yes. Opening. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're now good friends and it didn't take long for them to adopt me into their conversation. And I love that. I love <laughs> that. And, yeah. And so I think you have to be open to that. You can't, you can't go in and just sure. bury your nose in a book. And I think some of that comes from eavesdropping. So to your point, do you, do you eavesdrop on people's conversations? Oh, I would never admit to that, Stephen. No. <laughs> well, you just did then. <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> uh, I want to get in a little bit more about voice ed before hmm. you know, we run out of time. So and not that we run out of time, but um, I want to know, you mentioned that you started it four years ago. How did it start? I know you have this love of live radio. You have the love of broadcasting. But I also want to know, how did it start? And what was your goal for it initially? And over the last four years, do you feel like you've reached that goal? Has the goal changed? Um, what, what does that look like? Do you, you know, and what do you project for the future? So that's a, a big question, but go yeah, for it. Okay. Well, I, I had um, already t- I told you I have a, I have a lifelong love of radio. Wanted to go to radio college. I was at a a, a retreat uh, with uh, educators called Unplugged, in uh, in an off the grid location in Algonquin Park back in two thousand and eleven. Okay. And we were asked to bring a story with us of. Um, something that brings us joy or we get enthusiastic about or something about ourselves. And I told the story of loving radio. There were two people at that um, uh, event that looked at each other. I saw them look across at each other, Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Jackson and Julia Forsyth. They immediately told me about something called DS106 Radio, which was an internet radio station that had started as part of a course out of a university in Mary Washington, at Mary Washington University. Okay. I got home and the next night I was on DS106 radio with my microphone and, and broadcasting and I loved, loved it. Oh, so fast, wow. fast forward uh, four years ago, I was, it was this week, the, the week between Christmas and New Year's. And I was sitting and catching up on some reading. I was reading a book called The Age of Discovery by Chris Katarna. And there was one other author in there. And there was one line in there and it said, uh, and they were trying to make the argument that we are living in a new renaissance. And there was one line in there and they said, in a Renaissance, the line between creator and audience, artist and audience is broken. And I immediately took that as a cue. Uh, I, I put down my, well, I didn't put down my book. I put down, um, I changed over to the web because I was reading it online. Uh, 
And I immediately uh, started to search for what was new in internet radio since DS106. And to tell you the truth, Eileen, nothing really had changed. Nothing oh, had wow. changed. So, so two days later, I leased a stream uh, on Airtime Pro and Voice Ed Radio was, was born. I, I was really into the live broadcasting thing in the initial stage. I said, okay, so wh where is this going? Now, I, I had had a, a multi-author blog space called voiceed.ca uh, that I started in 2011. Okay. And so I just appropriated that, uh, reached out to a couple of people, including Derek Rodenizer, reached mm -hmm. out to BAM Radio in the States who, had, who had, were syndicating some content and got it, uh, had the opportunity to play some of their stuff. Um, and it grew from there. The community uh, reached out on, I reached out on Twitter and, and drew in some initial people, uh, Noah Daniel being one of them, Sarah Lalonde being another. And we kind of built this idea that uh, we could really, well, I have to tell you, I, I never intended to be a podcast network. I never wanted to be a podcast network. And you know, I think I still don't want to be a podcast network, but I want to be um, the connector of conversations. And I want people to come to a space where they can hear, participate, mm -hmm. uh, and, and raise their own voice uh, around education. At that time, yeah. when we first started, there were two podcasts, education podcasts in Canada. Derek had one, uh, Roland Chidiak oh. had one, and uh, Shane Lawrence also had one out in, uh, out in Alberta. And now the place is hopping. I mean, yes. it's all, the content that's out there, not just in our space, but just out there yeah. in general. And uh, really is, good stuff. I mean, really, really yeah. amazing, thought-provoking. Um, yeah, uh, excellent. And not just the education from the education standpoint, but from the humanity standpoint and understanding, uh, for instance, in Indigenous uh, peoples, the, the whole idea of equity and inclusion. Um, it's really, really amazing. It is amazing. And when you ask where I want it to go, has the vision changed? I am also aware of the fact that most educators in Canada and most educators in the world, first of all, they don't know about voice ed radio and they don't necessarily listen to education podcasts. Right. I'm uh, most people that I know that are educators aren't even on Twitter. Uh, I, I know a lot of educators on Twitter. I follow a lot. So it seems right. like they're there. Mm -hmm. So what my goal in the next four years is to do is to find the voices that aren't amplified. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to use the metaphor compressor because in, in audio terms, a compressor is something that takes the highs of a uh, audio dynamic and the lows and kind of brings them together so that what you listen to is more even. So you don't have to con constantly turn up and down your volume. Right. So I use that metaphor is because I think there is much, a, a great deal of value and untapped resource in the people that we're not hearing, in the stories that we're not telling. Uh, we have a lot of people out there that are making a lot of noise and good for them. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want that noise to drown out the really wonderful stories, the wonderful research, the wonderful yeah. uh, voices that uh, still need to be heard. Yeah. So I, I would love for Voice Ed Radio to be a type of compressor in the next five years. Yeah. And as you've said, you've sort of tapped people on the shoulder. They've come on your broadcast and then have moved on to either 
their own podcast or realize that they do have a voice and have begun to feel empowered about using their voices. Um, and, you know, and then of course they're, they're heard. So like for me, uh, I've interviewed, uh, uh, you know, Noah's been on my broadcast. I just uh, uh, talked to uh, Ramona Mahark, who will be on oh, yes. in a mm -hmm. couple of weeks. Yes. And uh, no, there are others that I'm sure that there are others that I've interviewed, but because their, their stories are so interesting and it's, um, you know, it's because of you that I, that I heard about them. Otherwise, I, I probably wouldn't really have you even followed them on social media just to see what they were all about. So, so hopefully the next four years will be even more explosive than the first four years. So. Well, you know, when you talk about, when you talk about those, I want to, I want to talk to the person who teaches in the room next to Ramona. And I want to talk to the person that teaches across the hall from Noah Daniel. Um, and not because they're in, in those proximity, but mm -hmm. just realizing that um, those school communities, you know, you walk into any school and probably two or three people are on social media for education purposes. Right. Um, uh, but they, there's, there's stories there. I have one podcast that I'm planning now. This is, I'll tell you, I haven't told anyone else. Okay. Uh, it's called, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's simply called unsung. And it is the, the, the stories that, that um, we haven't heard. I love um, it. Oh, I so, hope it. I hope it gets started. If I know you, it it will. Well, now that I've said it, that's why I said it publicly. Now it will. <laughs> <laughs> now you're hold, beholden to it. I wanted to just mention to you. I don't know if you want to talk about them or not, but uh, about uh, Liam and Luke and how they've become involved in your broadcast, and especially early in the morning. At least I, you know, I hear from Liam every once in a while. I suppose part of that is because he's at home. He's been at home for school. And then Luke, I think it's just recently that he's been helping you put the music together and doing some of the research. How did that all get started, if, if you want to talk about it? Yeah, well, it's, you know, I'm, I'm an older father of younger kids, and, uh, and I spend a lot of time, I probably spend about 14 hours a day on the voice ed radio stuff. Uh, and usually it's when they're at school and I get up very early in the morning. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not taking away from time that I would be spending with them, but I really want them to know what I do, know what I'm passionate about, not so that they will become passionate about it, but so that they can see what, where passion can lead you in your life. Uh, you know, to, some would call it a hobby. Some would call it a, a job. Some would call it, you know, a way of life. Uh, for me, it's a way of taking what you're interested in and putting something out into the world. And I desperately want them to see how that is done in this context, but how they might be able to put something out into the world uh, as well. So it, it, part of it is it, they, they consume a lot of things on technology. They, you know, they would, spend four hours a day on YouTube watching other people's stuff. If I let them, I want them to realize that they have a voice. They have the tools right. in front of them to, to put things out there that other people might find interesting um, mm -hmm. and that they might find interesting. So that's, it's, it's kind of a way of doing that. Now, Liam is a lot more amenable to coming down, uh, you know, getting up on a, on a Monday morning and coming down and just talking. Uh, Luke is a little, more behind the scenes, if you will. Yeah, and it's it's great that you respect that, and you know the fact that 
that you include them, which is really, really wonderful. And I know that it seems that the since Luke has, I know you you always did a lot of research about you know the music that you're playing, and, and there's a lot that you already know in your head. But it it seems to me that since Luke has become involved, there's a lot more background information that you're able to give everybody about the songs that you play. They have sort of a, a running thread uh, per se, uh, depending on the day, uh, which is really, really cool because as you're listening to the music, you know you're going to get some important information, what I consider important information about that music, which is, and it's such a variety, which is really, really cool also. And, and it's it, because he has to listen to the music. Um, no, he doesn't listen to every single second of it, but he's being exposed to things and uh, and he's becoming more interested in in that world of, of music. Yeah, it's um, yeah. it's it's a it's an applied research project for him. And, and I'm um, I actually told him that if he did that, then he has a birthday coming up and he re- desperately wants because he's in grade eight. He desperately wants his own cell phone. So uh, yes. uh, we have a plan waiting for him. I said, you're going to have to earn it. So this really allows him to, to earn uh, that, uh, that money. So, yeah, that's nice. That's really awesome. So um, what is it? I know you've mentioned it, but what is it about live radio that really excites you? And it's not just recent. I think it goes back a long way. Yeah. What, what is it that you love about it? And was it hard for you to get into it? initially when you finally decided to go ahead and do it four years ago? It, it wasn't, um, I mean, there's, there's a couple of layers to it. There's the equipment layer and, you know, the, mm-hmm. getting things that sound uh, decent and, and more and more you can do that at a, at a, a lower rate, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of expenditure, if you will. Um, right. But I think to me, it was, uh, there's an intimacy in live radio. Uh, and Valerie Geller, who's a, a radio consultant that I've spoken, uh, spoken with, uh, okay. has, has a, a couple of mantras and one of them is never be boring. And that's tough to do because, you know, you're, you're sitting in front of a microphone. Uh, but she says, picture you're, you're talking to one person. Imagine you're talking to one person. Well, on Voice Ed Radio at 5.30 in the morning, usually you are just talking to one person. So it's not difficult to do. Sometimes uh, it's just me. <laughs> sometimes it's just you. But I think it's, it's really, that helps to develop that sense of intimacy. I, I, don't, I don't enter into it to tell people things that I know. Mm-hmm. I want to communicate some things that I'm interested in, some questions that I have, some ideas that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to me, it's a, it's a real gift to flip that switch at 5.30 on a Monday morning and know that you have a week of conversations. Uh, some of them yeah. go well. Some of them uh, surprise me. There are more and more people who want to come on on a regular basis. So my dream for that space, that live space, is to have this constant flow of conversations coming, uh, nice. coming through. Uh, and, uh, and I think we're getting there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and it's it's nice because you talked before about your sense of wonder when you would walk into the building uh, for those 30 years. But I think what you've done is you've brought in that sense of wonder to what you're doing now also. And so when I listen to the conversations that you have with your uh, live guests, I, I hear that sense of wonder that, that you know, you're really interested in 
what they have to say. And, you know, you bring your part to the conversation, but you also really want to know what they have. And some of the conversations are really hilarious. You know, it's like I am just sitting in the table at the table next to you, um, <laughs> especially because, you know, when you when you have Derek on or some of the others that you've been friends with or colleagues with for a while, you know, you probably don't even notice it, but I, I hear it because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of it. So, so that's really amazing. Then, then when you get a, someone on like a, a new author or somebody that you haven't spoken to before to, to see how that really um, sort of how they open up as a conversation starts off, you know, they're a little bit reticent, but then they begin to open up depending because it's obvious that you're really interested in what they have to say. And they believe that the audience that is listening is also really interested, um, which is really important because they need to know that it's not just you they're talking to that, you know, they're talking to a greater audience. It, it's a, a very, it's kind of you to say that and, and, and notice that it's, it, it's nice to, to hear. I think, it, you know, I mentioned before some of the surprises. I think one of my favorite conversations from the past couple of weeks was Hannah Harrison. Uh, and it wasn't because uh, the, the topic wouldn't have been interesting to everybody, but she was so passionate about yeah. fishing communities. And I don't know if you, you heard that one, but she Not has sure. spent her life uh, and her academic life, her personal life, uh, talking about the sociology behind uh, sustainable communities around fishing. That's it's awesome. niche. And I, it, it's, it's funny, um, niche is, is the word that uh, her colleague, Philip Loring, who's coming in on, on Monday to talk about his book, Finding Our Niche, talks about that, that, that sense of passion around community building and, and mm -hmm. sustainability and how the two can go hand in hand. So one con one conversation leads to another. It's it's fascinating. It, uh, but it's not until I sit and talk to you about it uh, that I realize just how interesting it is to me. <laughs> well, that's you know? good. I'm yeah. glad. You know, it's hard. Well, when when you're working at it for 14 hours a day, it's hard to take time to reflect on it. Also, especially since yeah. you want to be, you know, a hundred percent for your family when you go upstairs. So. Uh, because as, as you say, you're, you're in the cave, right? That's where cave, your studio yes. is. Yes, it is. It's, it's about 110 square feet of absolute glory for me. I just love <laughs> coming down here and, uh, and, and being in the space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, people, opportunities to do things like this and, and meet people like you. Uh, I think that's the intimacy part too. You know, you're not, you're not talking to strangers. You're talking to, to friends. Yeah, yeah, and I did mention that you had interviewed me for um, Ed Can, I think it's called. Yes. Yes. The, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so but, now I get to turn the tables, which is real, always really fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's 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 so good to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. So we're getting sort of toward the end, which I hate because it's been such a wonderful conversation. I I love talking to you, Stephen. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you about or any other advice that you'd like to give our listeners before we finish? You know, I would just want to encourage people to, to look around their own uh, career or their own environment. And uh, if they haven't done so already, uh, you know, recall some stories that 
might make for interesting conversations because I think there's there's a lot of stories still out there to be told. And I would simply encourage people, uh, you know, to, to go check out Voicehead Radio, um, but not check it out as a listener, but to check it out as a, as a possible creator of some sort. And, and I would love to, to help anyone, you know, that might be listening that says, yeah, I think I might like to try that. I was told by a, a, a program director at a radio station in Toronto, he says, everybody has one talk show in them but do they have two? And I would like to think that people have wow. more than more than one uh, conversation in them that, that is shareable. And so yeah. uh, I would, I would like to, I would like to welcome anyone that's interested to get in touch with me and, and uh, explore the space. Okay. And so that's my next question. How do they get in touch with you? What's the best way to find you? Well, Twitter, my handle is Stephen S T E P H E N underscore Hurley. Uh, and I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, and a little bit on Instagram, but um, they can reach out to me, Stephen at voiceed.ca. That's the email that'll, that'll get you a line in. Sounds <laughs> As I like good. to say, we have, a, we have a thousand lines open on our telephone platform. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I always wondered, is he really saying that? Is that true? Or is, that, <laughs> or is he just saying that? <laughs> I've actually got seven in every day, so. That sounds good. Um, you certainly can't answer more than that, I imagine. No, not without a screener. Next, my, my goal in the coming year is to be able to, uh, to hire someone to do social media and to screen. Well, I hope you get there, so. Yeah. Stephen, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for making the time to come on today. It's been a real pleasure for me. A great way to spend a Saturday afternoon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.